0: Hello. This is Episode 8 of Season 7. It's the last episode of this season and this season is called The Stages of Home Construction. We've been diving into the process of home construction for both new builds and renovations so that you can feel informed as your project gets built. We've been looking at the what the when, the who and the how of each stage, and we've also been giving you loads of helpful and cost-saving and stress-saving ideas and information along the way. Now, in this episode, we talk about the practical completion stage. This stage actually represents the finish, the completion of your project, and it's also a contractual point, which then triggers a series of other activities and processes that are required to complete your project, You know, to get it signed off with the authorities and to deem it fit for you to move back into and to occupy. Now, because it's a contractual step and a process, you as the homeowner, you really need to be across it. You need to be able to understand your rights, your responsibilities and your obligations. Dwayne and I discuss where your project should be at by now, the things to be aware of as your builder gets ready to leave site and what you can expect from your builder in their communication and in their planning. Now, some terminology to familiarise yourself with if this is the first episode in this season that you're diving into. Dwayne and I refer a lot to draws during this season. Now, we're not meaning the draws that you keep your socks in. A draw is actually a payment on the building contract. So, when you sign a contract with a builder, a builder will actually identify a series of draws or progress claims or progress payments. And as work on your project is completed, the builder will submit an invoice for that draw, identifying the work that has been completed and asking you to pay for it. So, let's dive in. So, join me now. Now, before I jump into the podcast episode, I want to share with you some exciting information about an online program that I've launched in collaboration with this season of the podcast, and it's available for you to access now. The program is called Manage Your Build, and it's all about helping you navigate the construction of your new home or renovation with sanity, feeling confident, and informed. If you want to be better informed about what's happening during the construction of your home or understand what you can expect of your builder or of the contract and you know whether you're getting what you've paid for, then Manage Your Build is designed to simplify this for you. Manage Your Build will give you key knowledge, tools, cheat sheets, industry insider checklists and tips, plus strategies to save your sanity and budget as well. This online program can support you, help you avoid expensive mistakes and drama and put you in the driver's seat, feeling confident during the construction of your new home or renovation. So if you want to check it out, head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash manage your build. There's more information there about what's inside the program, what it includes and how it can support you and save you stress and money as you navigate the construction of your renovation or new home and actually make the process enjoyable for you. So head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash manage your build. So we are at the finish line, really, aren't we? It's we, It's
1: ready to get the keys. We
0: are ready to get the keys. But there are some really important contractual steps that need to happen at this stage so that you can be confident that the builder is actually done that everything has been completed as per your contract, as per your expectations. I think there's a lot of expectations and management that happens through this process as well, in terms of how clean the site's supposed to be, and you know what's a, what's what's a defect versus what's expected building standard, and and you know those types of things. Um, but we're going to be talking in this episode about practical completion. Practical completion is a really weird terminology, actually, because for me. I remember when I first learned about what practical completion was it kind of sounded like it's not it's not kind of it's not really complete <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know it's sort of like why yeah. isn't it just called completion why is it called it's like we're kind of we're kind of almost done but not really but practical completion is an actual contractual term uh, that is the completion of your project. You'll need to understand your contract very intimately as to what practical completion means and represents and also what can trigger it because practical completion can be contractually triggered by certain things like by moving back into the property prior to it being completed, in some contracts you will automatically trigger practical completion at that point and practical completion, it's not only representing a stage in terms of the amount of work that's been done, but it also represents a turning point in the contract as to what comes next uh, in terms of your defects liability period and the commencement of that. So we'll explain a bit more about that. So. Dwayne, could you just take us through, we've mentioned in the last episode, we should be at about ninety ninety five percent of our payments by this stage. Really, we should have seen everything pretty much done and dusted on the site in terms of particularly all of that internal work, seeing all of the landscaping getting finished off. What happens? Like, what is practical completion? What does it look like in terms of a process for a homeowner and a builder together?
1: So it's really just, it's tidying up all the loose ends. So from the last stage till now, everything would have been coming towards the end and this, this last practical completion sort of draw is just tidying things up. So the only real big things that may be left through this stage uh, might be a driveway, and there might be some external fencing or if, if the landscaping is in the contract, that the, the finishing touches on that.
0: So you may see those actually as a separate draw, just prior to this, mightn't you, in terms of how that's sort of sitting into the contractual payments?
1: If landscaping's a, a substantial sum, it, it might be a draw completely on its on its own. If it's not, a huge chunk of it would have been done up to the previous draw, and then, like in in this draw, the landscaping you might just be putting turf down because you've waited for all the trades to get gear off site and get stop walking over it, so that the turf might go down, driveway might go in, internally leading up to this project completion. The carpet would go in. If you've got timber floors, they would be sanded and polished. With those, generally the sanding and polishing would happen first because it, it makes a huge amount of dust throughout the house. So ideally, you don't want all that dust getting in your carpet. So after all, that, all the fit-offs and the installation of all the products from the last drawer, the floor sands would come in, do all their flooring, and then the carpet would go in, and then the cleaners. So really... One of the biggest things that happens at this stage is the cleaning, Like that it actually looks like it's a home ready to move in. Once the cleaning's all been completed, we silicon. Like, I love silicon. I think it finishes things off. <laughs> um, makes a really... Like, it, it just makes such a difference. When you walk into a home that has got all these different size gaps around the skirtings and around the windows, and then you walk into a home that has been siliconed everywhere... Silicon isn't hiding a bad job. It's it's just that last, final touch. It doesn't cost much. Even on a huge house, it doesn't cost much. It might be a couple of thousand dollars, but it makes the biggest difference. It tidies up all the loose ends. And it one creates thing,
0: that really uniform look across things, doesn't it? In really terms of, clean, yeah.
1: tight lines. And um, the main reason I love it, and most people don't realise, is it's probably one of the most energy-efficient things you can do in a house because you get rid of all the air gaps. Mm. So... You could put all the best insulation you want in the house. If, it's, if you've got air escaping and getting in from all these other places, then it's useless. So, Look, the cleaner comes in, the silicon guy goes around and uh, silicons everything up. And then one of the very last things was most companies will allow to do a service on the windows. So generally they won't service the windows until the house is clean because there might be all garbage or debris in the, in the sliding tracks. So once they're all cleaned out, the window company will come back in, do a final adjustment on all the uh, doors and windows.
0: So is that just basically correcting them so that they slide easily in their tracks if there's been any sort of... Yeah,
1: slide slide easily, check all the seals, uh, make sure if they're timber windows, make sure the painters haven't painted the windows shut All been left and not worked while the paint's been going off and then when they have been shut it's torn a seal or something. So yeah, they're basically just wrapping it up and getting it ready for you to move in.
0: Can we talk a bit about what a builder's clean actually involves? Because I think this is really where that expectation <laughs> management can be problematic. I can, I can, you know, often a, a builder's clean might be sitting in a in a builder's quote, you know, around the two three thousand dollar mark. Uh, homeowners m- expect sometimes that it's a forensic quality clean and get very frustrated that they might still find plaster dust on their windowsills and inside their drawers. What is a builder's clean defined as? <laughs> Dwayne's laughing at me because this is this is a really significant point of contention in the industry. I think in terms of what a homeowner expects versus what a builder actually prices for. And I know too, you know, at Merv when I worked at Mervac. A builder's clean there was a very different clean because it was kind of the last clean that the house got before it started to get marketed. So, you know, I remember there would be a team of cleaners that would spend a few days inside a house doing a forensic quality clean, but that's not necessarily a builder's clean. So talk me through what a builder's clean actually is.
1: So what I keep laughing about is we we actually put a clause in our contract because it was coming up all the time that says a builder's clean is not a clean that your mother would do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's been in our contracts for a long time now But and everyone has a laugh about it but look, we, we do two cleans on our jobs so generally in, in the last stage when everyone's done their fit off um, you've got rid of all the plastic and the cardboard boxes out of the house we'll generally get the cleaners in for a day and, and we call it a pre-clean we'll just get them to have a really quick run around spend the day there and that way it's it, we're a little bit ahead um, and also by doing that it can sometimes lead to touch-ups and things that you wouldn't normally see because they've been covered in dust or whatever. But look, a builder's clean is basically just wiping down, it's mopping, it's it's, um, just a general go-over of every surface in the house. It's not down on your hands and knees scrubbing and spending days in there. It's generally just a, a mop of the floors, vacuum of the floors, wiping down of all the benches. We make our cleaners vacuum inside all cupboards and drawers and things. A lot of, I think, the reason that Builders Clean probably get a bad reputation is until you actually move into the house and start using things, there could be um, a pile of dust in the joinery that has been there from the joinery factory but until you start using things and opening and shutting things and things banging, it hasn't fallen down or, or exposed itself. So it's definitely not uncommon for clients to say to us, oh, how come there's, there was still a bit of plaster dust in the drawers or, or a bit of um, MDF dust here, there? And it's just because it, it's just a quick general wipe over.
0: You've obviously, you know, you can see that this is really at this point, this practical completion is just these last minute tidying things up, this builder's clean, touching up any paint that might need to be, you know, very minor touch-ups and sorting out that type of stuff, you mentioned in the last episode about your walkthrough with the builder and said look you know seven to ten days out from practical completion and everything sort of being ready to move into you recommended that there be a walkthrough with the builder to basically check that everything's on track what do you how do you conduct that with your clients can you just talk through that in a bit more detail about sort of what you're instructing them to look at what you're asking them because by this stage they're not that really there's not a, not an opportunity to change anything there's not an opportunity to you know make any extra decisions about things what what kinds of things are you guiding them to to look at at that point
1: so look i, I would recommend all builders do this and definitely all homeowners ask for it so my biggest piece of advice would be don't push to move in there like give the builder even though it looks like it's ready just let the builder have a couple of weeks and that way it's perfect cuz look I, I don't i don't care what any builder says you'll never get a hundred percent defect free product like there's just too much involved and one thing we found is we can be in the house every single day walk through it a thousand times and you won't pick something up when the client moves in and they're sitting on their lounge chair watching tv and they they've put their head back or they're cleaning the floor, Like they'll find some little bit of paint that's been missed or a little bit of silicon. We definitely encourage the clients, um, ideally, say, two weeks from when we think we're going to be completely finished. Give us an hour or two, whether it's with myself or a supervisor. Just do a really casual walk. Like Like you said, everything's picked. There's no decisions to be made. Just have a chat, have a real general walk through every room of the house, open and close doors, just have a really good look around and the builder should make notes like quite uncommon to pick things up but there might be a little bit of paint that's been missed somewhere or we we, we're pretty minimum with them but we've just found by doing that whatever is picked up at that point can then be if the owner then gives us another week or two we can then get whatever trades required to come back and we can get it fixed and we we can give them a defect free home the clients that like it gets to that stage and they're just like we've booked the removalist we're moving in on friday and we're like we haven't given you a date yet we haven't sent you an invoice oh no we've, we've got to be in we've got to be out of our rental like it just becomes a headache they move in removalists do more damage and then we get stuck with it because we haven't finished um, and then we're the ones that end up repainting walls when it, when they're things that are outside of our control so I'd, I'd definitely recommend at the end of the job just just give the builder his week or his two weeks and look it's it's better for everyone. And, well, look, the other side of that is you're going to get a builder that, like we've been saying, is screaming to get his his money. So he might be wanting you to move in so that just so he can get his final payment, even though it isn't 100% complete. So I think that's one for both sides, the builder and the homeowner. Like, just... Take that last couple of weeks. If, if the builder's not wanting to do it, then I, I think it's one worthwhile doing and just make sure everything is 100%. Like, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. I'm very <laughs> anal. I, I like, we won't walk away from a job until it's, like, it's my standard. Not Australian standards, it's DPS construction standard. So, look, whether it's myself uh, or my supervisor, like, we will open and shut every door. We'll push it back and catch it into its stop. We'll let every shower run for an hour. We'll fill the bath up three or four times. Like I said before, we'll, we'll block all the basins up the sinks. We'll let them hold water for an hour. We'll run the dishwasher three or four times. We'll turn the air conditioning on. So I really think it's important to give the the builder that week or two so that they can do all that. And hopefully, fingers crossed, you know when you move move in, you get given the keys. It's Everything works.
0: And that's the thing, isn't it? You're actually giving the builder the opportunity to defect their own work. I see a lot of homeowners kind of champing at the bit it's almost like it's because it's the first time that they can actually see work that they can understand and that they can I suppose read and interpret they've got an ability then to criticize whether it's been done properly or not so they really want to get in there and give feedback about where it's not meeting their expectations so I think you know there's there's obviously two things you you want to have chosen a builder who Cares deeply about the quality of work that they're creating, and that is right to the end willing to deliver a job to the required standard and it's a really good sign if they're not, if they're willing to let you come in and defect the property as the first round. They don't seem too phased about the fact that there's a whole heap of stuff that still needs to be fixed, yet they're still presenting you with your 100% bill and saying, yeah, yeah, we'll come back, it'll be fine, you guys move in, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, we've just got another job to start on, you know, um, but we will come back. It's that, like that, it's kind of the death knell of of you've got that last opportunity to hold that payment, make sure that the work has actually been completed as the draw states it has and give the builder the opportunity to make sure that that property is as perfect as it can be for handover.
1: Yeah, look, reality is that scenario will never happen. If Once you pay the builder the final payment, and look, it, it happens with us. Like I said, we don't have many defects, but the reality is that job's finished and your mind's now on your other work. So you're not focused on trying to get the painter back for an hour's worth of defects. Like, your focus is getting, like we've been talking about, getting keeping the trades moving on other jobs. So you've got to give that a couple of weeks, make sure the house is fine. And look, you've still got your your maintenance period and your defects period. So, um, Can you
0: talk through a bit about that in terms of the the defects liability period and what that sort of is and what that looks like for a homeowner?
1: So look, it's definitely going to vary around Australia and depending where you are, but like here, minor defects is six months. So minor defects are anything that are non-structural. And then your major defects here at the moment, um, I think is six years, three months. And obviously, they're things that are can cause a a health risk or the house to fall down so but look most builders would have their own defects or maintenance um, system in place so look we generally on our jobs tell clients after after that initial job periods finished and we've done those walkthroughs we've we've found items together we tell all of our clients so just just leave a notepad in your pantry or somewhere once you move into your house you're laying on your bed or you're sitting on the lounge or you're sitting on the back deck I, I guarantee I'm not like I'm first to admit it, you're not 100% perfect. When you're sitting there looking around, there will be a dot of paint that's been missed or a piece of silicon or there might be a tiny bit of grout that's been knocked out when the plumber's done his final tap installation or something. So just just make a list and then most builders, like we we do it every three months. Three months after they moved in, we get them to email us that list and we, we just organise the trades and we go back and and tidy those last few things up but it really it should be painting maybe silicon and like oh that's really yeah. what it should <laughs> yeah, be like, yeah
0: you're grappling for what it is yeah, yeah like it this. is and it's and I think that's really where people come unstuck is that you know they'll have paid 95 percent but the practical completion bucket is actually a far bigger scope of work that the builder's trying to package up in this you know because they forward charged their project and you know I think understanding that 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 draw actually represents very little amount of work. It will help you stay proactive about the work that's happening up to that point. Yeah, and so you are just seeing, as we've said, those final touch-ups. You know, the carpet going in, the sanding and polishing, the stuff that needs to happen after everything else has occurred, so that it doesn't get damaged or you know, in yeah. its completion, the final adjust that builder's clean. There's also a bit of a handover that needs to happen, doesn't it? Because you'll have had lots of obviously appliances and things like that that might have warranties and manuals and all sorts of things that obviously have come to you as the builder that then need to be given over to the homeowner to take responsibility for. What does that look like? I know some businesses do owner's manuals. I know some just bundle it all up in a folder. What does your process generally look like in terms of that handover?
1: Well, that's probably one of the ones we haven't really got. We've got a system in place, but it, it could definitely be a lot better. So look, there's all the standard paperwork. Within seven days, when you think you've reached practical completion, you've got to send the owner a practical completion notice. So if you think the the building's getting close, you send that out to the client. The client's got to accept that and you've got to agree on a date to do a handover. The banks make this... This is a, generally the hardest draw for the bank and it's, and it's because of the process. So we have to get a final inspection done on the house. So some parts of Australia, they're called different, but in Queensland here, it's a Form 21. You've got to get a final certificate... And basically that certificate says that the house is habitable. A lot of the time it can actually happen back at the last stage. So once all the fit offs and everything are done, you can get the certifier in. He does an inspection on the house. He's then- also
0: checking too, isn't he or she? Is checking that it has been done according to any council conditions, any building conditions, yep. anything that was in place as part of the original approvals. That nothing has strayed from that, so that that information can go back to council. So as well as it being habitable, it's actually been done as it was going, as it was promised and approved to be done as well.
1: Yeah, so he'll come out with his plans. They'll randomly throw their tape over the height of a balustrade or the, the rise on a set of stairs. They'll check all your mechanical ventilation, they'll check your lift off hinges, like they, they check the main items, all, all the, the items that they tend to look at, they're all pretty standard. But then there's a huge list of certificates which we have to provide them and they'll be for your your inspections, your engineers' inspections, your certifiers' inspections, your frame inspection, your any waterproofing, whether it's retaining walls, wet areas. We've got to provide glazing certificates for shower screens, mirrors, windows, glass balustrading, uh, there's heaps of them pool fencing. So look, on a, on a new home, there could be up to 30, 35 certificates, which we have to give to the certifier before he will issue his final certificate.
0: And that will all have been given to you by the various trades as they've... Completed their work as well. They've done their work. They provide the certificate that the work has been completed as per their requirements, and that certificate goes into that bundle to then be presented at the end of the project.
1: Yeah, so it was a bit of a process there for the builder as well. So we we won't pay a final payment until we've got one of those certificates. So as in,
0: you won't pay a tradesperson their for final payment. Or a supplier, yeah, yeah.
1: So was, um, we need we obviously need that certificate to get the final building one. Part of our quality control is we we check everything off. We push out we um, all of our trades and supplies out to 21 days and that's purely just because that allows us enough time in between running and doing everything we've been talking about to make sure we're back at the site, we've inspected the work, it's up to the standard and then they get paid. But like I said, we we won't pay them until we receive that certificate. It's a huge so, amount of
0: paperwork to coordinate, isn't it? And yeah. I've seen, you know, when I've done the project management on my own renovations and I've been responsible for pulling all of those together, you know, unless a builder is actually methodically doing it as they go, it's very tricky to sort of chase it up down the track and, and ring the... A waterproofer, you know sort of three months after they've left site and go hey mate I didn't get that piece of paper can you please yeah. send that through now and you don't want a builder that's operating their filing cabinet out of their glove box this is something that requires a lot of diligence to stay on top of and any owner builder will know if you're thinking about owner building you know this is stuff you still have to do and be across and understand exactly what your responsibility and accountability is around pulling all of this together because you can't get that final construction certificate or your building approved signed off unless you have all of this documentation together.
1: Yeah, so look, there's, there's some big ones with that. But look, if you're using a reputable certifier... Generally, when they give you the approval, there will be a list of the certificates they're going to need. So we just use that as a checklist. That goes on a a board in our office. We look at that every few days. As they pop up, we chase them up. So the the Form 21 here in Queensland, the final certificate, is saying that the house is built to Australian standards. It complies with the plans. Everything that the builder's done is correct. I'm not sure how the process works behind the scenes, but somehow from that certificate, that kicks off the QBCC warranty period.
0: Which is the Um, Queensland, what does that stand for? Queensland Building Building Construction Commission? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is is Queensland's, the state of Queensland's sort of overseeing body for construction. There's different departments globally, nationally, state-based that will oversee construction in each of, you know, your specific location. So you need to understand wherever you're building or renovating, there will be some governing body that is how the construction industry is kept accountable and that also monitors and manages a lot of this stuff behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, so look, every builder's going to have something different for this stage, but that Form 21 says the house is habitable. So there's huge things around this. So if you don't have that certificate, your insurance will not pay out a payout if the house burns down. So there's there's endless stories out there of builders pushing the homeowners to give them their final payment and move in, and they've, they've never had a final inspection or they've had it and there's been things they've had to rectify and they haven't. And the owners are living in a house that they're unaware is not signed off. It's it's inhabitable. So, uh, 9 out of 10, insurance companies don't ask the question. And it's not until you have a flood or a fire or something major wrong. Like, obviously, little payouts insurance companies aren't going to matter. But if your house was to burn down and they look into it and you haven't got a final certificate. So, look, there's a, there's a bit of a... Everyone's going to have their own process at the end. So, generally... We'll uh, organise practical completion. We'll get the certifier out. We'll do the final inspection. We'll get that form. We'll generally hold on to that final um, form twenty-one and and use it as a bit of leverage to make sure we get our our final payment. And look, it's it's in most building contracts, practical completion isn't meant to happen until the builder has been paid. So even though we've booked in that meeting and the owners have agreed to it, we will actually not. Commit to it until we've seen the clear funds or remittance and then we'll shoot them an email saying, Yep, it's confirmed for tomorrow morning or whatever. Clients will leave it till the very the day before or even that morning. So yeah, there's a bit of a process there to, to make sure it all happens smoothly and then at the handover meeting I generally try and allow sort of two to three hours to do handover. sometimes a little bit more. At that meeting, we'll hand over to the client all the warranty manuals for everything we've installed in the house, any paperwork, any invoices that might be attached to a warranty. Yeah, and look, owners, uh, they're, they're not at liberty to adjust that final invoice. Like if that final invoice is in, then they, they have to pay it. They can't hold $2,000 and say you've still got defects to fix like that. The contract takes care of all that. There's a period like you have to do your walkthrough, you have to list your defects, you have to note a period, a time period that those defects will be, be fixed. The client has no way of holding money over the builder. Look, if, I think if there's a system in place and it's communicated and everyone's leading up to the same end goal, definitely do those sort of last two, three weeks out walkthrough. And then just at that final hand over, just make sure everything's. everyone's on the same page, everyone's happy, explain it to everyone.
0: That's the thing, this episode we're talking about the last 5%, you know, so yeah. that's the, it, they're really by this stage, everything should, you know, if you've been staying diligent, monitoring progress, checking the drawers, checking the workers being completed, then the last 5% shouldn't be a problem because the warning signs will have been there well before this. And I think the challenge is that a lot of homeowners ignore the warning signs because they've got their eyes and their dreams and hopes fixated on this end result that they're really, you know, really wanting to happen. But you've got to try and maintain that helicopter view, have some perspective that you are checking things as they go, and that if at any point that it looks at all hairy, that you, you know that that's the point at which you sort of question things rather than holding back and waiting.
1: I guarantee you, if you put together the, a quality team that communicates well, gets on well with each other, is honest, your project will be on budget, on time, and you'll you'll enjoy it that much. You'll want to sell it and do it again.
0: <laughs> and that, I think, is a fantastic <laughs> note to finish on because I think that across the course of this season, we have seriously armed the UA community with so much important knowledge, stuff that is hidden behind one-to-one relationships, inside contracts, inside building processes that really a lot of people don't get the benefit of finding out until they're in the thick of it. And then it's really too late to do anything about it. So, you know, I, I this is a season that I have been wanting to do on the podcast for a long time. It's been such uh, a privilege and a joy to have Dwayne spend this time with me. Um, and I'm incredibly grateful for his uh, his time and his expertise in doing this and I really hope that the, you, the listener at home, have found this incredibly helpful for your project as well so thank you so much Dwayne for your time I really appreciate it.
1: No worries, thanks Amelia
0: Now before I leave you, let me talk to you about Quotespec, so if you've been listening to this season, you'll know that QuoteSpec has been our podcast partner. And QuoteSpec is a cloud based quoting app that enables builders and tradespeople to create professional, easy to understand quotes. It also allows homeowners to see exactly what's being included and not included in their quotes and to have confidence they can manage their budget and build without drama. Now, as a homeowner, if you've ever experienced getting a quote for any renovation, or building project large or small, you'll know just how varied they can be. As an architect, I have seen everything from a handwritten letter with a few lines, including the price, through to a detailed trade breakdown full of all sorts of numbers. It's confusing and frustrating for those of us inside the industry and completely bewildering uh, for those that are homeowners just trying to understand what it's going to cost to build or renovate their home. It can be incredibly hard to compare apples to apples, to really judge the value, to understand what if everything has been included in the price, you know, before you make a decision about which builder and which quote to go with. And unfortunately, you know, you often find out what hasn't been included when it's just too late. You've already started your project, you discover that your assumptions were wrong, you've discovered that a builder's missed something, you know, and then there's budget and time blowouts that occur. Variations are getting added. It's being done at a variation margin, which is, you know, maybe higher than the builder's standard margin. There's often stressful conversations and arguments as well, and it just becomes a really horrible part of the building and renovation project process. Now, Dwayne and his amazing team at DP's Constructions, they, they've seen it all. They, they just got really sick of builders and homeowners getting caught out all the time, and so they sought a way to fix this, and that's why they created Quotespec. Quotespec is a cloud-based app that enables builders and tradespeople to create great-looking, professional, easy-to-read and comprehensive detailed quotes for renovation and building projects in a simple, efficient, super-fast way. Because it's cloud-based, it can be accessed anywhere by builders and tradespeople from their phone, their device, their computer, and it can also be accessed by the clients that they need to share that quote information with. It enables builders and tradespeople to describe exactly what's included in their quote. And as a homeowner, you know, this is super easy for you to access. You can open it up on your phone, you can read through the quote in quote spec, and you can understand what your quote covers and what it doesn't. As a builder and a tradesperson, this is a really time-saving, efficient, and professional way to to present really important information to a potential client. You know, this can enable you to secure jobs more quickly, knowing that you haven't left anything out and that you've taken care of the homeowner along the way. That really helps you build your reputation as a a good builder or tradesperson and uh, is super effective for client management overall. And during the project, you as a homeowner, you can access the quote. You can see what allowances you have for anything that you need to choose or change. You can communicate with your builder to then get the quote updated simply and in real time. You know, this is a fantastic communication platform. It keeps all of the correspondence around the quote and the contract in one place. It creates this beautiful hub that everybody can communicate with each other via, it keeps everyone informed and protected as well. So you always know what's going on and where you stand. So homeowners, ask your builder or tradesperson, do you use Quotespec? If they don't, you know where to send them, okay? So the web address is www.quotespec.com.au forward slash undercover architect. So that's q-u-o-t-e-s-p-e-c, Quotespec.com Dot au forward slash Undercover Architect. I really love Quotespec as a tool and a platform. I know how much this will change things for homeowners reviewing their quotes and projects running smoothly. I know that you'll love it when you start diving into it and seeing it being used and that's why I've been so excited to bring uh, Quotespec as the podcast partner for Season 7 and be able to tell you as the homeowner that it exists so you can start asking for it from your builders and tradespeople that you're dealing with and get those communication lines being uh, working really strategically, really efficiently, so that you always feel confident and informed about your project. Now, that gorgeous UA community that wraps up this season of the podcast, which is otherwise known as season seven the stages of home construction. What a cracker, hey? We have covered so much ground in this season and we've been able to dive into the nitty gritty of the construction process. It has been such a joy to bring this season to you. I have been incredibly grateful for Dwayne's help in creating this season. You know, getting this to you from both the designers and the builders point of view across our collective experience, that means that you've got really comprehensive insight into the construction process of a new home or a renovation project. I sincerely hope that this season has helped you feel far more equipped and confident for the construction of your new home or renovation. Duane and I are committed and passionate about renovating and building actually being an enjoyable process for everyone, so homeowners, builders and tradespeople. So thank you so much for listening and for hanging out with us this season. If you have found this season helpful, please let others know about it and also please leave a review in iTunes. You know, that will really help the podcast. Cast, reach more homeowners who also need this knowledge remember to head to the show notes you can check out the links there for Dwayne's app Quotespec, and you can also check out the links to find out more information about my online program manage your build it's ready for you to access now so you can uh, head to the to the show notes grab those web links and uh, and find out more information until next season i'll see you later bye <music>